Welcome to the Kitchen Table Podcast, where the table comes in all sizes, shapes, and styles. Join Kyle and Seth as we explore the journey of food from our field to your dinner plate. The one guarantee is that there will always be a seat for everyone at the kitchen table. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Kitchen Table Podcast. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing great. You're getting the cart ahead of the horse, just like my wife used to say. Very excited for t- <laughs> for tonight. Um, well, that's all right. No, no, I certainly understand that. And it's been that sort of a week, man. It's been crazy. It's been hectic. I haven't been able to follow directions very well. I have been doing dad duty all week because my beautiful wife is out of town. And so kind of jumping the gun at every every turn of the corner, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, certainly always love being able to talk through agriculture issues, talk through family issues, and then talk through issues that are really relevant in everyday life. And it's something that when we first started the Kitchen Table podcast, I probably didn't see that aspect coming where the true relevance behind what a kitchen table is. And I'm noticing tonight or today that you actually have a change of venue where you are sitting at your own individual kitchen table. And uh, so certainly my glad to have you here and uh, looking forward to what we have to talk about. I am so excited coming to you from my exact kitchen table. I'm just uh, very excited. Uh, if you hear a little bit of uh, family and spousal background noise, that just is par for the course when you're at when you're at your own kitchen table and you're you're doing a a, <laughs> a podcast. So very excited. I, I honestly I this is I look forward to this every week. Uh, I love our topic tonight. It does not come from me, but it comes from uh, my wife as far as some beautiful examples of uh, how to how to kind of simplify your life and and bring some consistency to the the topic of nutrition for your family and then just being able to balance that across time. Well, I, I can certainly see that you have people in the background as you're looking up and looking around and all, all of our individuals that are watching this live are probably chuckling also because they all know that your wife and your kids are holding cue cards behind the computer screen so that way we can keep you on task and straight and on the straight and narrow path. But kind of want to get started and uh, just ask you to give me a quick recap of how your weekend was in Kansas and how your speaking engagement with the Kansas Young Farmers went. I know that I heard a lot of positive vibes and positive feedback, but kind of was curious to hear um, what your experiences were and then some of the message that you were able to bring all of those individuals that you were speaking with. So I will combine that question with my word of the week, and I'm just going to say that my word is seed. And the description I'm going to use is one of the examples I use in our presentation about a lot of farmers know what happens to corn when it's loaded into the planter and you're heading to the field and a little bit of seed drops out on the side of the road. And then also the same thing can happen when you're harvesting corn and a little bit of seed spills around the bin you end up with one or two into individual seedlings that 
that just kind of grow and they, they only grow like a foot, two foot, maybe waist high. And so some of the topic that we were presenting in Kansas just was those corn seeds are isolated. They don't have a, they don't have other seeds to help them find water and help them find fertilizer and help them uh, grow. And so I've talked a lot about across the winter months meetings and conferences and education. And so that was kind of my message to them was to connect in with their peers and be a seed for each other, plant seeds with each other in terms of uh, your experiences. And because we all know that that seed along the side of the road does not do very well on its own. The seeds in the field with all the other uh, corn, that's, that's really where you get your fertility, your water and all of that. And so that was kind of the analogy of the weekend. And then obviously saw some great friends uh, that, that you and I know very well at this point, got some spotted cow from Wisconsin, which was maybe my, my highlight of a beverage for the weekend. I've actually, uh, we brought a case of that back to Nebraska and uh, that that's just very exciting. How about you? What's your, what's your week? And then what's your word look like? So I guess first things first, I'm very envious that you are able to enjoy some spotted cow. It'll be, I won't be able to have that luxury until the summer months and our neighbors that are here during the summer, uh, they bring me spotted cow for caretaking and looking after their place throughout the course of the year. And their son is actually, uh, he's the head wrestling coach at Northern Illinois University and fantastic family, fantastic individuals. And I've always enjoyed that relationship. I'll tell you what, my work, my week and my word are 100% in line with one another, and it is whirlwind. And uh, no different than you being gone last weekend, I'm actually gone this upcoming weekend to Idaho and talking with their young farmers about community involvement, uh, professional involvement, and then an impact that you can make on both your professional and your personal lives and careers. And uh, uh, I'm actually meeting Lindsay, I'm flying out tomorrow night, and then meeting Lindsay in Spokane, Washington. And then we are commuting down to for our conferences in uh, Idaho. So it, it's been good. She's been gone which makes it a whirlwind. And when I mean that, it's, it's all in good. Our daughters are doing awesome. Our family's healthy. Our family's beautiful. But for instance, Monday was kids got off the bus at 345. We had a 10-minute drive back to town to make gymnastics at 4 p.m. Gymnastics ran for one hour, so we were home by 5.15 p.m. I had to plow snow in two driveways and then leave our house at 6.15 to go to swim, la- or swim practice. And then got home at 7.45, so that way we could eat dinner and go to bed. I could finally get my workout in for the day. And then I ate my dinner at about 9.45 or 9.50 that night. And I worked on a presentation until almost 1 in the morning. So that was Monday, and whirlwind is the easiest way to say it. But tis the season, man. I mean, it's in everyday life, people understand that things hit them 100 miles an hour. And I sent that to you in a message, a text message today that said, I'm operating at 150% capacity and I have no more left. Uh, but it's the kitchen table means a lot. And, and understanding those conversations, how they have to come around is, is really important. And because it's been such a whirlwind, it's been, a, it's been an odd week for us in terms of 
sitting at our kitchen table and having some of those family dinners and that family gathering time. And that was the topic that you had brought to me. It was talking about meals and meal planning and how it's been for you in the last couple of weeks. And I, it, it just kind of struck me as being probably relevant for any time of the year, but especially for all of us right now with kids in sports and kids in school and on the road, those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I actually hope we have some female listeners tonight. I think I'm bringing a really neat message to uh, the whole household. Um, just with the t- topic that you brought up, sometimes uh, the husband or or the I think we can get into this sprint puke mentality where we just sprint until we drop and the nice thing, and it doesn't always have to be the husband. Sometimes it's the wife. We have friends that the wife is sprinting, 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 and the, and the husband kind of levels them off with some consistency, with some processes, with some systems that kind of help the whole family operate a little more uniformly and, and uh, as a team. Well, and certainly I understand, you know, some of those topics and looking at with um, especially with Lindsay being gone this time this week and typically we've always kept very consistent schedules and um, those schedules obviously have had to alter uh, pretty dramatically Um, and that uh, that's been tough because we um, we've been we've been all over the all over the place and so it's not been, usually we have dinner at seven. It's been seven 45. It's been eight o'clock tonight. It was seven Oh five. So that was kind of nice. And, and one thing I've always valued is the importance of having really good meals and having that high quality meal along with social time and social aspects. And, and, you know, let's make note of that. I just see Kyle that you just took a drink of some beautiful wine. I'd like to cheers to you tonight as we enjoy winding down, winding down to the end of the week and having, being able to enjoy just a glass of wine with good friends and good fellowship. And so the way dinners have worked typically work in our household is uh, I actually start, I do about, I used to do about a hundred percent of the cooking. I'm down around 60% now, but I just ask, I ask our girls a lot of times chicken, beef or pork. And what do you want? And so whatever they, whatever protein that they choose, I kind of decide a meal around that. But when, when I'm grocery shopping, I actually go through and have meals in mind that I want to make. And those meals get made, may get made that night. They may get made three days from now. It just depends on how it works into what a six-year-old and an eight-year-old would like to eat for that evening. So sometimes with balancing the four children, we have the six-year-old. Uh, two nine-year-olds and an 11-year-old. And a lot of times we have the six-year-old that is a little a little finick, finickier right now, a little pickier. Uh, the three older ones tend to recognize the, the work and the planning that goes into this from my wife. Um, the, the little guy would just as soon probably have a bowl of cereal for three meals a day. And so we're working on him constantly. And I know I was probably that way when I was young. So uh, we're, we're kind of well, working. To... My question is, how do you get Austin to sit down long enough to eat a meal? It's interesting. Our it's son, Austin, a bit of a challenge. It, it is a challenge, uh, but he is by far the healthiest. Uh, he, he eats. So I'll just kind of walk through his regimen is eggs every morning. 
and he's he's just really into health he will go after the vegetables he'll eat carrots apples he'll choose fruits as a snack um and and he's he's just really healthy for whatever reason i i don't know that we've trained any of them any different but he seems to and he drinks like two cups of water right before bed every night like you would think that kid would pee his pants every every night but he he must require a lot of water. We've, we've fought him on it. Like, man, you're, you're gonna, that's not going to be good for you or us. And every night about nine, nine o'clock, we put him to bed about eight. Sometimes they all go to bed. He, he tends to stay up a little later and uh, he, he comes down. It's kind of an excuse to like, he, he knows that he can stay up a little longer if he, kind of goes to the kitchen and gets and it's a big glass of ice water like a man-sized glass of ice water 24 ounces that's kind of a health tidbit of the day anyway where drinking a glass of water before you go to bed actually lessens the risk of heart attacks for elder or for not elderly people but people as they certainly age and uh just and that helps with like how your body fluids level in your uh, throughout your body while you're sleeping and so it's something that I always try to do then also, I think you touch on an interesting thing where we talk about the consistencies of individual schedules. And that's one thing I have always really admired that Lindsay has been able to do is she does an incredible job making sure that our girls stay on a, on a very, very regimented schedule in terms of when they go to bed at night during the week. Um, weekends, throw it all out the window. If our girls want to stay up until midnight, Watching a, watching a high-quality Michigan State football game. I'm going to give a little bit of a shout-out to, actually, uh, my uh, my daughter's second-grade or first-grade teacher was just watching uh, the Facebook Live podcast. And we're diehard Michigan State fans in this house. Her first-grade teacher, who she absolutely adored, is most certainly not a Michigan State fan. She is a University of Michigan fan. We can't help that. But uh, uh, anyway, so we always made sure that our daughters were – well-shaped and ready to go to class the next day. And so we try to have them in bed by 8 or 8.15. And then we read a couple of books or have our girls read books to us. And then lights out by 8.30 or 8.45. And that may be late, but then our girls sleep until 6.35 every single day. Mackenzie on the weekends, man, if it can be 10 a.m., it's 10 a.m. But Madison, there's no chance. My youngest, she loves the mornings, and it's well documented. I've said that a couple times on this. So you said just to, you said they they're going to bed about eight thirty. Did I catch that right? They're in their bed somewhere between call it eight fifteen, and then we read books until eight thirty or eight forty five. That's during all the school nights. I know a lot of parents like to have their bed have their children in bed earlier and that's great for them. It just, it's a matter of what fits into your schedule. And at the same time, I guess, if you look from 8.30 to 6.30 uh, and do that time backwards, that's 10 hours of sleep right there in that ballpark. And then both of our girls actually wear watches so we can document or so we can look back to see like how much your data, data mining your daughters at an early age. <laughs> yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, that we are, uh, and we take great pride in that, but more importantly, it's understanding the needs in our mind, the needs of what our kids want and not, not necessarily what they want, but what they need in order to succeed. And I think that's every parent's greatest dream in life 
is making sure that their children have the opportunity to succeed. And I've always wanted to equip my daughters with those tools. And part of that is meal planning. Part of that is understanding good choices versus poor choices in terms of high quality and nutritious food. And that's how it kind of drills back to the kitchen table podcast and talking about and talking about food and agriculture. And we talk about bringing food from our field to your dinner plate and understand that we have those issues too. And especially when we're looking at some of the different aspects of, of an industry that's changing, when we look at the empty grocery shelves, all that comes into play right now. Well, I, I think you bring up an excellent point. Rest is probably equivalently important to nutrition. My wife and I started doing the Fitbit app. I've I've done it off and on over the years. I'll I'll do a good two months and then I'll drop it for a couple of weeks. Uh, and that's what the Fitbit app does is you it tracks your sleep, you input your nutrition, you input your water. And it, and actually you can act, bring in, uh, uh, how you're feeling. Like if you're, if you're moody or happy or kind of average, you can actually put that in on a daily or weekly and you can put your weight in. There's about seven metrics, uh, six, six to eight metrics that, uh, help you kind of stay in balance. So that's, that's one thing we've started to do kind of right at bedtime, uh, so I'll, I'll back up a little bit. We try to have all the kids in their bed by eight o'clock. I thought eight 30 is a good number to me. I grew up at a nine o'clock, nine o'clock was kind of our bedtime growing up in Nebraska. Um, Tiffany's likes to see him in bed at eight o'clock, eight o'clock. And that actually gives us a little bit of time after they go to bed to kind of re uh, debrief from the day, kind of like how her work day went, how my work day went, um, any follow-up personal, um, mail or any, anything going on in our life, we can kind of have that base touch before bed. Now the kids don't actually go to sleep. I'm going to say till probably eight 30, um, my boys, maybe even closer to nine, nine 30, but they are tentatively supposed to be quiet and in their room. And so they, and then we get them all up at seven, actually. That's kind of our rest schedule, if you will. At one time I I got a chuckle talking about like sleep and and how that works and how important it really is. And I've always looked at sleep as like a checkbook and that you have deposits and withdrawals. And the more you sleep, the more you're depositing into your into your reserves. And then obviously the more you're awake, the more that you're withdrawing out of that. Now I have no scientific guidelines behind that, no scientific proof in any way, shape or form. And I always promote healthy lifestyles. But the one thing I've always done is I will go to bed between call at 12 and one almost every single day. And then on a typical day, I'm up between five and six. And I, I do that for a period of three or, three or four months in a row. And then I can finally feel like, oh man, like I need, I need one day to grab a, to grab just a little bit more sleep. Now, as luck typically doesn't have it for me, that's a day that my wife wants to get up and go running. So I have to get up and make breakfast on the weekend anyway. But I want to back up and talk to you about something. So when we visited last week, you were just starting down this Fitbit journey, but then at the same time, you were doing a fruit only diet. And so I was curious, you're doing it for the week and I was curious how that ended up and then how your, 
week than has been since that. That's correct. So about once or twice a year, I will do a one week or a, I actually do a five day or a seven day fruit diet, fruit only. Uh, I will throw some veggies into that. Uh, this, this last week I ate uh, some lettuce with onions and I tracked all that nutrition through. The reason I do that is because I'll, if I start feeling my weight or my sugar or my uh, just life, if life starts getting too out of balance in health, I will do that as a reset. I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but it does seem to reset my mind on healthier eating habits, healthier workout habits, and actually healthier mental, mental health habits. I think it refocuses you on life. It kind of moves you to a uh, stable position mentally. And so, and actually last week uh, worked out really what it's interesting. You learn things you didn't know. Uh, I had plenty of energy all week. So fruit, if you didn't, if you listeners didn't know, it has a lot of carbohydrates. It's, it's basically all carbohydrates, which essentially is energy. And so, but there's no protein and basically no fat. So it kind of puts you in this state of like, you're, you're very hungry for those other things. Uh, but you, you're actually, your body is content. Like you still have the cravings. It, it's not a fun diet. Don't, don't get me wrong. It, it's a true reset. Like it's, it's hard. It takes discipline. You, you kind of have to really go through the hard thing but you have what you need. And actually you have almost more energy of than what you need. And the hardest thing about that is kind of where I wanted to go with this podcast is my wife is so consistent with her weekly routine and her meal plan and her nutrition within the days. And so every night when I kind of plan for my fruit uh, or maybe light veggies, she has, and I'm going to tell you the, like our Monday nights are, is American night. So we'll kind of have like hamburgers or something along those lines. And when you, when you kind of go onto that diet, you, every smell from the kitchen is exponentially, uh, there's just, there's more to it. You, you, you're just like, oh my gosh, did you have to cook that tonight? Couldn't we all eat fruit? And it's like, it's, it's exaggerated. So uh, it would almost be easier to do the fruit diet with a crazy household where there's not a lot of plan and, and everybody's kind of a free for all. But my wife is so consistent with her plan. It makes it even that much more difficult to have the discipline to kind of reset your body. And so Tuesday nights, we'll do Mexican night. Uh, we just do tacos, enchiladas, fajitas, something. We, it's interesting because if she's like, she works Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays right now. So a lot of times on those nights, I'll help cook or, or I will do the cooking and I don't have to think about it. I just kind of know, okay, brown some hamburger, get the taco stuff out. For me, it's pretty basic, but if she's, if she's going to do it, you might get a little variation of that. There's, there's some neat variations Wednesday. Like I said, before I accidentally went off air, we have Italian night. So we, uh, tend to have wine. There's a great drink menu that pairs well with Tiffany's 
uh, meal plan week, but tonight we had goulash and, uh, um, some bread, some garlic bread and a lettuce salad with olive garden dressing. And then, uh, Thursday night is crock pot. So basically we'll do like a pot roast or a pork roast. Uh, she'll, she works on Thursdays. So she'll just put basically the whole meal into a crock pot in the morning. Or if I'm around, I'll, she'll have me, she'll have it all set out and I'll just put it all in at noon. And she tells me what to turn it up to. And that's what I do. And so, uh, that's, that's kind of, uh, I see we're getting some highs on, uh, Facebook. I, that's very fun. My sister-in-law looks like she's saying hi. So anyway, this, this, some of this meal planning, my sister-in-law is a wonderful cook too, and they are very close. And so, uh, some of this is this not original Tiffany. It's, it's a group of women that kind of work at these things together. Um, Friday night is, um, Friday night is kind of a cleanup night. Like we're both a little bit tired from the week. And so if it's nice outside, we will typically grill something towards the weekend. But if there's a lot of leftovers from the week, we'll kind of go that route. And Friday, Saturday night, you could catch us out to eat at the local pub as well. You just never know. Uh, Sunday, we have a very interesting menu item that uh, I didn't grow up with, but it was a tradition for Tiffany where they will do popcorn. They did popcorn, apples, and cheese. And uh, that's been new to me. I'll usually cut up some summer sausage with that or uh, kind of some type of meat typically. But the family, it's, it's a little bit more of an open kitchen. If there's something that you want or that fits, you just go grab it. But Typically, we'll do the special popcorn, maybe do a movie or something. Well, so. you uh, you see, you hit on some interesting on some interesting foods, even dating back to when you're talking about being on your fruit diet last week and, and some of those things. And it's looking at the superfoods that exist and realizing that from that that a lot of times the superfoods can be more fresh because a lot of them are vegetables or fruits or uh, nuts and berries and some of those things and and uh, that's that's really really pretty critical and so and that's kind of one thing too is all all indications and projections this year and we have to so we have to be cognizant and aware that grocery store shelves there's no question that they are more barren right now than they typically are and that's obviously because of some of the, the supply chain issues and supply chain shortages that we're having all across the country. And so we need to be aware that our options are potentially more limited than what they typically would be. But that also creates opportunities then too, because we can try to source some of our local, our local products, maybe from farmer's markets or roadside stands, uh, depending on where you are in the country. Obviously, that's a little difficult right now. If we pay attention to the weather that's sweeping across the, the upper Ohio Valley, I guess you could say, and even up into southern Michigan, where my brother and my sister called me kind of in a tizzy because they were expected to get like 15 inches of snow. And I said, hey, that's cool. We got that last Monday. We didn't even cancel school. And, uh, but it was weird because at my house, we had like 15 inches. And then at my office, eight miles away or 10 miles away, we had like three inches of snow. Lake Michigan throws you some interesting weather patterns. 
Well, so you bring up a, a very good point. How do you find fresh, fresh fruit and fresh veggies in the wintertime when you're in the Midwest or upper Midwest? Yep. So that's, so that's really, that's really important. Uh, some of the products you can, you can do simple Google searches. Hey, I mean, if our, uh, if our elected officials can talk about going to find your, uh, your COVID vaccine, just go to Google. I suppose we can say that on the kitchen table podcast. Because the one thing I have noticed in the last week is every single one of our elected officials has started talking about kitchen table issues. Okay. Maybe they're, maybe they're taking a lesson or a page out of the kitchen table podcast. I think we should have probably trademarked that a while back. Obviously we didn't, we, we didn't do that. And, and I mean that only tongue in cheek, but it just goes to show the relevance of the issues we're talking, talking about. But to answer your question, one of the things that I've always done is um, within my line of work, I'm kind of, I, I'm privy to certain information, not certain information, but I, I work with a lot of the farmers here in the west side of the state. So I, I can go directly ask those individuals on what products may be available. And so that's why I encourage our consumers to look to look on, on Facebook. There's been, I have multiple friends that have products that they, that they market online. Um, we have some friends, the Castles, Eric and April Castle out of Kansas that offer pork and they'll ship, they're more than willing to ship pork and they have jerky and they have a, they have a whole line of things like that. I have friends in Michigan that ship a lot of, uh, a lot of beef. We had Corcoran Farms on here and they ship products then also. And then we have friends, uh, John Iverson, who I wish this was a beautiful glass of wine from him, from the wooden shoe or the red, red, uh, was it the red barn farm? Um, I don't ever remember, but certainly, certainly John, I'm sure I'll get a text message because he's probably listening. He'll say, Hey man, you messed that one up for products to ship them too. And they can even tuck in some really nice glasses of wine floor, what opportunities exist. But two things I want to, I want to kind of touch on. One is when we're talking about healthy lifestyles and healthy relationships, we've, we've understood that it's looking like groceries are going to go up for the average family $3,500 this year due to inflation and due to some of the supply chain issues. And that's right from right some of our, uh, our elected officials in, at the national level. So uh, what I'm going to say is, is if we want to lead healthy, healthy lifestyles, don't be afraid to buy in bulk and start to break some of those products down. By that, I, and then I also mean don't fall into the diet food type stuff that you'll see uh, on TV, because that's a really expensive way to, to have to feed yourself. Now, I'm not going to say that it's not a well-balanced diet and that it's not nutritious for you, because that's not true. What I'm saying is, is that you don't have to spend that money at with those products when you can go to your local grocery store and save money as long as you're willing to do a little bit of meal planning. One thing I found I found successful was I started counting calories like five years ago. And it's not so much that I keep really close track. I'm just kind of aware of what's in it. I mean, hey, you can drink a 20 ounce pop. That's 240 calories. Or you can drink a diet pop that has zero calories. So I always would. And for instance, like if I'm having Tito's and diet seven up, that's one of the reasons why. Well, I think that I, I would actually was going to shout out to my, my sister-in-law again, has, has some products that, that she does through some direct marketing. And, and then also my sister Haley, they have a, I think it's called juice plus that they, that you can connect in with them and they will actually get you fresh fruits kind of in a, it, it's 
in a dry form. So it's not as kind of like we're talking about, but there's a lot of ways to get this nutrition in you. And, and I think uh, for me, just the summary of, of all of this is uh, to have kind of a plan or develop a family plan where you are, uh, you're doing things on purpose. You're, you're scheduling something on purpose and it, and it doesn't have to be as advanced as what my wife does. We didn't, we didn't just start out that way. That was evolution of when we got married, uh, kind of working with other women and working with other men, working with other families and, and kind of working together to develop a plan kind of back to that analogy of that, that corn seed growing in the field together with other kernels is uh is a just a great analogy for life to be able to grow each other and uh if you're trying to plan on your own uh that's just a tough place to be if you're if you're trying to do do all this alone um sometimes it's just not it's not going to get you very far without some new ideas and some some new concepts so just wanted to bring ours to you tonight and and share that with you the ag facts of the day and I was struggling with this one because I didn't really know. I was trying to figure out, man, what can we do for an ag fact that people are, uh, that they're kind of interested in. And, and one simple one is, is that 3,500 products that are in the local grocery store are derived from corn. Corn is king and corn is grown predominantly in 23 states from around the country. And we call those the I states, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Ohio. Uh, Missouri. Those so we'll call it the big, the big 10, just uh, <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah. Big, yeah. Big 10. Now, the, but my actual ag facts of the day are kind of, are kind of different. And so being that you were in Kansas last weekend and you're talking about growing corn plants, it's, it's interesting because Kansas uh, corn is actually like their third highest agricultural commodity. I mean, beef and cattle, um, that those products are, are far and away number one, especially when we think about in the old days, the Kansas City stockyards and some and the one of the birthplaces of barbecue or certainly one of the mainstays of barbecue in that in that Kansas region. I mean, obviously, Kansas City is not located necessarily in Kansas, but close enough. But then the other products that Kansas is really known for is they produce a tremendous amount of wheat for the country. And they're certainly, I think, in the top five for overall wheat production. And then the really obscure one that not a lot of people know about, and I wouldn't have known about this until a year or two ago, is Kansas very, is very, very high in sorghum production in the United States. And they may be the number one state for sorghum production. One of the, one of the, the ladies that, Kyle, you and I served on the American Farm Ranch or the Young Farmer and Rancher Committee with, um, she actually did a lot with sorghum. And that was the individuals in Kansas that had turned off the year that we were coming on, I guess. So just kind of I, interesting anyway. After visiting with some producers uh, from Kansas, I the other commodity that was really popular down there was alfalfa hay. I, I think almost everybody I talked to brought up alfalfa hay as a commercial product to go into dairies or, or cattle. Uh, in Nebraska, it, it, it traditionally would have just been a, a feed source for your own stock. 
down there, it seems to be more of a commercial industry that would be competitive with wheat and sorghum. If you take wheat, sorghum, alfalfa, and corn, those four are typically grown. And then, like you said, the stocker industry, the feedlots, and the cow-calf, the beef industry is a very, uh, very prominent. And here's another random fact is as we wind down and, and start to think about sliding into the weekend, maybe sunflowers are big in Kansas because sometimes one of the most popular nicknames that they have is they are the sunflower state. I would have thought that they were the Jayhawk state. Obviously that wasn't, that wouldn't necessarily go well with the Kansas state fans, but uh, certainly the sunflower state is one of the nicknames that I've heard Kansas called. We did um, see uh, Tim, the, t- the dairy Tim, the dairy guy, he's a comedian. He was hilarious. He had a lot of Jayhawk, K-State kind of back and forth banter. Yeah, Tim Moffat out of Florida. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Tim the Dairyman. He he actually came and spoke at our county, at our Conservation District annual meeting a couple years ago. So I had the opportunity to tool him around one dairy dairy guy to another. And you talk about just a salt of the earth individual. That <laughs> guy, really- he will be, he's on the road with Larry, the cable guy, as we speak, like he's got, and he is full on. I mean, I, I honestly would probably, I, I don't know Larry, the cable guy very well, but this guy is so good. I, I, I imagine he's either fitting right in or kind of making his own way because uh, I've actually saw him twice now, once at a Cargill feed event and then uh, in Kansas down there for kind of the entertainment keynote and uh, just super impressive man. And uh, <laughs> he knows his crowd and he knows how to work it. It, it was very entertaining. So if you ever get a chance to see uh, Tim, the dairy man from Florida, he's, he's very good. Well, I'm just surprised that you even remotely know Larry, the cable guy after you, after you said it like that, but, uh, and then uh, the Peterson farm brothers is, are also obviously very, very famous from Kansas. And those guys do, uh, parodies, do a good job and they, they do a fantastic job in, in advocating for agriculture. But more importantly, one of the things that I think is really important in terms of the topics that we've talked about tonight is that there isn't necessarily a cut and dry way that we need to, that we have to feed our, our families. The most important thing is to create opportunities for them to eat healthy and nutritious food. And, and sometimes that's changing our palates, whether that's creating um, a regimen where we eat fruit for only a week and then follow it up, obviously, with a little more uh, standardized meals or meal planning. And and that can be time, tough during this time of year. People are on the road. People are busy. People are go, go, go. But more importantly, we have to realize that, especially with us with young kids at home and families at home, that we have to be willing to slow down and take a deep breath and then realize that the biggest thing that we can give to our children in life is the opportunity to succeed. And the way that we do that is by creating good, good relationships, good habits, showing them high quality meals, high quality meal planning. And then more importantly, um, talking about um, um, just just ways that we can create schedules. And we talked about looking at times that our kids go to bed, uh, whether that be on a bath night or whether that make sure you read books to kids. And I know that there's young parents that are out there listening. And and I've had a couple of comments sitting here while we've, while we've been talking. And and parents are trying to figure it out too. And finding those local resources, whether it's whether it's grandparents or whether it's friends or other community members, 
and then really trust the individuals that we let our children associate with. Uh, obviously, educators from all over the country is really important. I was super proud to see that one of my daughter's uh, school teachers hopped on and list, was listening. And, and that's that's pretty neat. And, and for me, that shows vitality within local communities. And that's that's important when we look at the long-term success of not only our families, but us as individuals and certainly within the communities themselves. And so really on behalf of the Kitchen Table podcast, I want to thank all of you for listening in and joining in and talking about some of the important issues in terms of meal planning and creating schedules and healthy lifestyles. And more importantly, we really value everyone's uh, input and comments as we embark on our way. Uh, I'll be in uh, Idaho this weekend and then Kyle and I will be convening for a function together in Louisville with 24 of our other friends or third, maybe it's 32 of our other friends uh, presenting to like 1200 young farmers. And so that'll be a lot of fun and uh, certainly looking forward to that. But in the meantime, don't be afraid to reach out to either Kyle or I via our Facebook or our uh, Kitchen Table podcast group pages. And uh, until next time, we wish you happy and we wish you healthiness and thank you. On, the, on that note as well, we hope to bring our kitchen table to you live from Louisville in a couple of weeks. Thank you all. <laughs>